0: Hello everyone, it's an absolute pleasure to be a part of the project Samriddhi, a social initiative by the Narsi Monji Finance and Investment Cell, NMFIC. My name is Ashwini Bajaj and we are going to be discussing a very important topic today, personal finance. And correct personal finance education is definitely the need of the hour today. So we are going through the lecture in four parts, why personal finance is very important, especially to our generation today utilization of income, so how do you use your income, what are the different ways of investment and there is a lot of misinformation out there so we need to be very very careful as to what we follow and how do we look at personal finance. So the first thing is why personal finance and why is it important for our generation per se. So when you're comparing the consumption basket of ours with that of our parents, you'll find that we consume way more. We've got an Amazon, Swiggy, etc. today. We have more avenues, more products to consume, right? We have cell phones and broadbands and so many expenses which were not there 20, 25, 30 years back. So our expenses, our consumption basket has increased significantly in just the last 20 years or so. So therefore, we need to plan our expenses, our savings and our retirement expenses much more, I would say, with a much more seriousness, I would say. So we need to understand the basket of consumption for our parents and for ourselves. We need to understand the level of inflation and how inflation impacts us. We'll discuss in detail, but you need to understand the the way the prices have been increasing, especially post-COVID, we've seen a major level of inflation. So we need to work on that. I'll explain exactly what inflation is in a while. Money may not add to your happiness, but definitely lack of it multiplies misery. Please understand, a lot of articles, quotes you might have seen that money may not add to your happiness, money may not buy happiness. Fine, agreed. All these quotes and everything are very contextual. But at the same time, if you do not have money, it multiplies, not adds, multiplies misery. So you need to have the basics taken care of in terms of So if it's raining, you need to be able to take an Ola or an Uber. You need to have your basics met in terms of your house, your food. I'm not talking about extravagant foreign vacations, but basic vacations you should be able to take. The medical education, children's education, bills, etc. That should not be a problem. So the basics have to be taken care of. You cannot say that money does not buy happiness. So it's very important that you manage and take care of your personal finance. This is just a very simple example I've taken to show you how things have changed over the last decade. I know 1947 is back then, but 10 kgs of gold was equivalent to the price of an airline ticket. Or, for example, even if I were to give you a more recent example, so in let's say 20 years back, the price of gold was somewhere close to 2000 rupees per 10 gram. Today, the price is 47 48,000 rupees or so. A flight ticket would cost, let's say 20 years back, would be 10,000 rupees one way, and today it's barely 5 7,000. Although if it's increased lately, let's say 10,000. So earlier, five coins of gold you could have bought for one flight ticket, but today you need five flight tickets, let's say, to equal one gold coin. So you understand, earlier people would not travel so much and they had so much of savings. With a 2,000 rupees savings, they could have bought a gold coin. But today from your household expenses, you'll have to save almost 50,000 rupees to be able to buy a gold coin and save in the form of gold. So you're understanding the impact of inflation and how inflation is impacting an airline ticket, for example, differently as compared to gold. So today people are more inclined towards traveling and spending uh, money on their lifestyle and activities rather than on saving in the form of gold and all. What I'm trying to tell you is it has become more difficult to save in the form of gold and build assets today as compared to what it was if I'm taking a simple example like gold. So it's very important that you plan your expenses and savings. Now let me explain how inflation is going to be impacting you. So say for example, if the bank is giving you an 8% level of interest. So if you deposit a 100 rupee in the bank today, you will get 108 rupees at the end of the year. Now let's say inflation is equal to 6%. So if I can buy an apple at 100 rupees today, it will cost 106 rupees at the end of the year. The prices keep increasing of the products and all. So now, with 108 rupees, how many apples will I be able to buy? Can I buy 8% extra apples? No, because one apple costs me 106 rupees. So how many apples can I buy today? I can buy 108 divided by 106, which is equal to 1.0188. So instead of one apple, I can buy 1.0188 apples. That is 1.88% extra apples, approximately 2%. I can only buy 2% extra apples today, not 8% extra apples. So my income technically is not 8% in real terms. In terms of the amount of goods and services you can buy, your income is only 2%. You did not earn 8%, you've earned only 2%, you can buy extra goods and services, ultimately you save money so that you can spend and buy more things in the future. But you can't buy 8% more things, you can only buy 2% more things in the future. That is what we call as real return. So understanding inflation, understanding purchasing power. My 100 rupee note was able to buy one apple earlier, one year before. But today that 100 rupee note cannot buy an apple. You need 106 rupees to buy one apple because of inflation. Your same 100 rupee is becoming less powerful. It can buy less number of goods and services. So understanding inflation is very important. And you need to manage your life and lifestyle expenses accordingly as well also a lot of times people get into the debt trap you know the credit card rates interest rates are almost 40 percent and there are so many companies promoting bnpl schemes as we call it buy now and pay later we've always learned that you save for a rainy day in the future we save today for some future expenses that we might encounter we save for the future we do not spend futures income today When you're getting into credit card loans and all, you're spending futures income today. I understand the home loan or an education loan, because a home loan, ultimately, you are building an asset, you can sell that house for a good amount of money, you're promoting savings that way. When you're looking at an education loan, your ability to earn increases. But when we are taking loans for personal expenses and all, for traveling, for uh, buying stuff, etc., it is a problem. You're spending futures income today. So be very, very careful about it. I see all these series and I keep on sharing a lot of uh, these incidents. So why you shouldn't borrow money from friends? It's very important to understand these things in the very early stage. If you do not plan your finances, you'll end up like Penny. I don't know how many of you are seeing Big Bang Theory. Next, let's move to utilization of income. So when we're looking at income, the money that you're generating, you are going to be first of all paying taxes to the government. You'll have to pay your income taxes. After that, you're going to be spending your rent or food and uh, shopping and everything. So your entire lifestyle, your phone bills, electricity bills, etc. You'll be taking care of your lifestyle expenses. After that, you will have a certain amount of money left, which is your savings. You will have to manage your savings in a way in order to make investments so that those investments grow. We'll discuss investments and savings in a little more detail. Understand the importance of taxes over here. So say suppose if I am buying a t-shirt for 100 rupees, I am not actually spending 100 rupees of my income, I'm actually spending 143 rupees of my income. How is that so? Because you will have to earn 143 rupees first pay 30% taxes and then you will have 100 rupees to spend. So always make sure when you talk about your income or when you calculate your income, you always look at the post tax income which you can spend and save from. So if I earn 143 rupees, I first pay 43 rupees taxes at 30% rate. I've taken a flat highest rate of our income tax lab and the 100 rupee that is with you is what you can spend or save. Out of 100 rupees, I have to make sure that I am able to spend, manage all my expenses and also make sure that I save a certain part of that income. So always evaluate and look at the income on a post-tax basis. I see people talking about their salaries and packages and all on a pre-tax basis. That is 143 and they plan their expenses accordingly. That is not true. You have to see what is the income in your hand. Once you start working, you will see there are a lot of rules, reductions which you can use in order to reduce your tax liability. So that is basically at the end of the year, once you have your salary, your income, your business income, you plan your taxes, you take advantage of all the deductions, all the benefits the government gives you, and you take advantage of that to minimize the tax rate that you have to pay. And your post-tax income is what you use in order to spend and save. Right, so that tax planning part you will learn there are a lot of deductions, lot of options in order to save taxes. Right? Why is there a need for investment planning? So when you're looking at it, you have your basic goals in terms of your house and food and everything, your security and all. Then you also want to have uh, certain goals with respect to traveling and all of that. You have certain so there are different goals and all. So there's something you might study in college, Maslow's hierarchy. So you need to plan for these goals. The idea is you need to plan, why do you need this investment planning? Because you need to buy a house, you need to buy a car, you need to have a foreign vacation, you want to have a farmhouse, let's say. So for anything and everything that you're planning, you want to retire early, you want to travel during retirement, you want to have a good cushion in terms of medical uh, bills, etc. Which is very important. COVID has taught us a lot of these things. So it becomes very important for you to plan. Because if you want these goals to be taken care of, if you want to have a smooth, good life, you need to plan your personal finances well and to have the correct personal finance education or we will skip this. So make sure that you manage your expenses very, very well. There are things that we need. We need those and there are things that we want and may not always be something that is relevant. So understand how and how you want to plan your, This is a very interesting concept diminishing or decreasing marginal utility. So as you consume more and more the utility you derive from that consumption goes down. So if I give you one Coca-Cola, you're happy. If I give you a second Coca-Cola, you're not as happy as you were with the first one. So, you know, that is why I told you money may, may not be able to buy happiness, but the lack of it multiplies miseries, right? So basic level is very, very important. And we've seen the kind of increases we've seen with respect to inflation and how different products increase at different levels. So you see the increase for food versus let's say technology there are certain technologies that are getting cheaper there are certain things you might end up overspending so be very very careful in terms of how you plan your expenses and how much you save we'll move to the saving directly let me show you this equation first so savings of course the part of your income after meeting your expenditures is your saving we understand this right now when you're looking at this price into quantity is equal to your total revenue. This is a very basic accounting formula you call it or economics formula you call it. So basically the price, I'm trying to apply this equation in personal finance for you. The price is the money that you make. Let's say for example, you have an X salary uh, for a month. So that X salary for the month is your price. The quantity is the hours you're working in a month. Obviously, this is this you cannot change so much when you're young, you can maybe work longer hours Maybe once you're 40 or so the number of hours you will work is going to go down The price is your income per hour or per month, whatever way you want to look at it So what you can work on is the price part because quantity is fixed Everybody's got a 24 hours in a day. Some people might work a 7 hour day 8 hour day 10 hour day But you cannot change more than that on a regular basis So what do we need to focus on? We need to focus on the amount that we are earning on a per hour basis. This is very important. This will determine our income levels, our total income, right? So what do you spend your time on? Very important for you all to understand the importance of time. So one, there is a part of time you'll be working to earn this amount. And there's a portion of time you have to invest in order to increase your skill set, your abilities, read more, get more skilled, you know, and in order to increase this P, your focus should be on increasing this. So right now when you're full-time students, even then, and later on, once you start working, even then you need to focus on increasing this P. Now what happens is with the total income that you have, you of course pay taxes first, then you have to take care of your expenses. You need to manage your expenses in terms of you know what do you want to buy what you do not want to buy so there could be necessities say for example i might want to take a taxi instead of driving myself to work although the taxi might be more expensive why because that will save me some time because while in the taxi in the cab i can work i can read i can maybe chit chat with people wrap up some calls i could do so much so maybe i would want to use that money Uh, spending on that is something which is uh, advantageous to me. But at the same time, I do not want to waste money on splurging or show off or something which is not going to help me or which is not going to be for my happiness. So understanding your expenses because whatever is left after expenses is your savings. And I want to use my savings to invest properly so that I can generate returns. So more the amount of money I invest the more returns it will generate and my investments will keep growing because every month, every year that I'm earning and saving, that savings get added to the investment and as the investment grows, the income on investment also keeps getting reinvested because obviously right now you're just going to start your careers. So at this point of time, you don't need to live on your investments, right? You're going to retire and then you will need that... uh, Uh, that investments which you have accumulated over these years to take care of you and your expenses once you have retired and obviously for emergencies etc as well. So we need to make sure that we are investing properly. Now please understand at the beginning stages of your career, your investments is going to be small because your income is low. You've just started earning. So obviously you start at a lower pay and it grows as you get more experienced and as you skill up and you level up and you get educated, it will increase with time. So right now the focus should be on working on P because there are a lot of people selling shortcuts and uh, stock market tips and all it does not work. We'll discuss that in the investments part. It does not work that way. So right now your focus should be on this. And as you save and your investment starts growing you obviously start learning personal finance and make sure you manage your investments in a way where this returns becomes a big component because your investment is growing. That is how you need to work. The power of compounding is very, very, very huge. You have to understand, you have to start investing early. You have to start understanding the importance of savings no matter how much you, uh, you save. So for example, a person starting at the age of 20-21 versus a person starting at the age of 30, you're investing only 10,000 rupees but the difference could be when you turn 60 or 67, you see the amount of difference. The same 10,000 rupees accumulated could be 3 lakh, 3.5 lakh versus 8 lakh rupees. So you understand the importance of compounding. It is increasing in an exponential manner. It is not a straight line if you notice. It is increasing in this way, it is not increasing this way. So the compounding aspect is very, very important. Also be very, very clear that you do not go by the basic thumb rules because it is not always applicable in the way you might think. For example, if somebody has an income level of 10 lakh rupees and they follow the 80-20 rule of 80% expenses and 20% savings, Say, for example, somebody is following this sort of a thumb rule. You must have heard of these thumb rules. A lot of personal finance people talk about this. So if I have 10 lakh rupees of income post tax, I am going to spend 8 lakh and save 2 lakh rupees. When my income increases to 15 lakh rupees, I am going to still apply the same 80-20 principle. 80% I will spend and 20% I will save. This is not how it works. Please understand that when my income level increased from 8 lakh to 12 lakh, my expenses have increased by 4 lakh rupees, but I'm saving only 1 lakh rupees extra. Now just think about it that when I retire at the age of 60, see you can always upgrade your lifestyle, you cannot downgrade your lifestyle. Think about it. Do you always buy a better phone than the previous one or a less good phone? Whichever brand of clothes that you wear, you always level up, whatever quality of product you're using, you always level up, never level down. right? So when you're turning 60, earlier I was supposed to be saving for 8 lakh rupees of per annum expense. Now I have to save for 12 lakh rupees of expense because I have increased my lifestyle to this. The moment I got a bonus, I'm very happy, I got a salary raise and all, I've started spending more. I am I'm spending 4 lakh extra, do you think 1 lakh rupees extra saving can take care of this kind of expense? Earlier you were saving 2 lakh rupees to fund 8 lakh of lifestyle in uh, after your retirement. Now you are saying that I will save 1 lakh extra but I will spend 4 lakh rupees extra. Do you think that is going to work? So you cannot apply 80-20 principle like that, so don't blindly follow these personal finance rules like that, when you have lower levels of income, let's say 5 lakh rupees, 7 lakh rupees, when your income is reaching a certain level till the time you're taking care of your household expenses and all the expenses comfortably, I'm not talking about luxury, I'm talking about good comfortable expenses and all your 80-20 principle is fine. But beyond that, so when my income increases from 10 lakh rupees to 15 lakh rupees, I will save. 80%, 80%, 4 lakh rupees I will save and 1 lakh I will spend. My 10 lakh rupees is already taking care of my lifestyle. You're understanding? So I'm applying 80-20, but of the increment part, 10 to 15 lakh rupees, of the increment 5 lakh rupees, 80-20 principle cannot be applied. So be very clear and very careful about that, right? So don't go by all these because see, understand everything, every ad that you see, every social media uh, influencer that you see. They are trying to sell you something. That is the whole idea, right? So Google is free for you. But why is Google free for you? Because they're selling you ads. Google makes money through ads. They want you to spend more. So you be very, very firm and careful as to what you want to spend on and what you do not want to spend on. Comfortable? Next, we are going to get into the most important section of today's lecture, that is your modes of investment. So when I'm looking at investments, I'm broadly categorizing my investments into three parts. So one is your equity investment. One is your fixed income investments. And anything that does not fall into these two categories, classifying it as alternative forms of investment. Equity is basically when you're looking at your shares, mutual funds, everything is a part of equity. We will discuss. So equity is wherein you are investing in companies. So suppose you today buy a share of ITC. So if ITC is able to get more bookings in their hotels, sell more soaps, etc., Ashirwad Atta, etc., in that case, they will generate more income. You will also get more. Your share prices will increase. You will also be benefiting from the share price increase. The company does well, you do earn more money. But if the company does badly, you earn less money. Maybe you invest at a share price of, let's say, 350 or 330. The share price can come down to 300, you can also make a loss. So there is risk and return both. In fixed income is like your fixed deposits and all. You put a hundred rupees in the bank, you're guaranteed to get an 8% return or a 7% return. That is your fixed income kind of securities, right? So normally when you're looking at your investments and all, if you discuss with your parents at home about fixed, about investments and personal finance planning and all, you have equity, you're investing in stocks. Normally, we do not have an idea about stocks. We invest through mutual funds, mutual funds sahi hai, and a good chunk of the population, a very large proportion of population invests in fixed deposits and all. And the amount that is already there in your bank account, that is savings account, we will discuss. So, equity is when you're investing in companies and all, shares, etc. In whatever way, fixed income is where you're investing in fixed income securities, which is going to give you a fixed income, There is very low risk. You know the kind of return you're going to be getting. Anything else is alternate investments. Anything else will get classified as alternate investment. So very easy, two examples I'll start with first. One is your commodities. So we people are very fond of gold in the form of jewelry, in the form of uh, investments and savings. So gold is a very traditional, and very important form of investment for India so commodities gold is a commodity that you own that is also a form of investment obviously a commodity that you ate is not an investment something you've consumed that is not an investment and then you have real estate the house you live in everybody wants to have the house that they live in it's also got a very important emotional value right so we understand that so real estate is a part of alternate investments the startups and all you talk about and you hear about is a part of private equity investment. We'll come to each section individually. Let's start with the equity section first. All right. So we'll be looking at equity first. All right. So when we're looking at equity investments, we can categorize them broadly as large companies, very large size companies like a Tata Motors or Amaruti. You can have mid cap or small cap companies medium-sized companies, smaller-sized companies. Now when I'm looking at large-cap companies, you might have heard of the term Nifty. So Nifty 50 is basically an index which has got 50 top companies of India in a very easy manner if I were to explain to you. So you have ICICI Bank, HDFC Bank, SBI, ITC, Nestle. Uh, So the largest companies across different sectors, Infosys, TCS, so when I'm looking at IT sector, FMCG, pharma sector, automobile, banking, etc. So we've taken the largest of companies. Of course, the risk is low. Today, We, it is very unlikely that a reliance will go bankrupt. They are so huge in scale, in operations, it's very unlikely to go bust. So therefore, large cap companies normally are less risky, medium-sized companies are more risky, and smaller-sized companies will be even more risky. But at the same time, the smaller companies ideally would be providing you a better return. So how do you invest? How many companies and how do you make investments? We look at in this part. So either you can purchase the shares directly, you can directly buy equity shares, you can buy the share of an ITC or an HDFC bank or whatever. Now please understand when you're making investments, you need to have correct understanding of finance, of evaluating companies. I have seen people doing more analysis to buy a cell phone than to buy a company and invest money in it, right? So please be very, very sure that what is your profession, for example, I'm a finance teacher, but I do not trade, I invest, I directly invest in equity, but I do not trade. I'll come to it. Or you can invest through ETFs, ETFs is basically exchange traded fund so the top 50 companies i was talking about so you can buy, so you may not have the money to buy 50 companies individually or managing those 50 companies i don't know which company to buy but i am very happy investing in equity of india so I'm expecting India will do well. I'm a long-term investor. I want to invest in Indian companies. So I'll invest in those top 50 companies. There is an exchange traded fund, a group of those 50 stocks, let's say, and I can buy those together. right? So it's like a mutual fund, which is trading like a share. Now, what is mutual fund now? So mutual fund is basically I do not know how to evaluate a stock. Say for example, I'm a lawyer or an engineer and I do not know which stock to invest and that's not my job. So what I do is I can invest as small as 500 rupees with a mutual fund. Now if lakhs of people invest small amounts of money, a mutual fund might have let's say a thousand crore, two thousand crore, five thousand crore rupees. Now with five thousand crore rupees, even if mutual fund spends 1% 5000 crore into 1% is 50 crore rupees, it can pay salaries to fund managers, equity research analysts and everybody, they will do the studying the company, evaluating the company, investing in which company is good, which company is bad and your cost is only 1%. So mutual funds basically what they do is they pool that huge amount of money from small investors and that investment is then analyzed by their fund managers, research analysts, etc. And they manage that fund and that money on your behalf. And they try to generate good returns for you. They are professionals who are doing that. right? So that is mutual funds. And how do you make investments in these stocks and all? So you have these apps today. It is very easy to open a DMAT account and invest. You must have heard of the term DMAT account. DMAT stands for the term dematerialized. So earlier, long time back, I don't think your generation has also seen that. Even I have never seen. So used to have those paper share certificates used to be physical paper. But today, just the way you don't need currency, you don't need money in your wallet. You can have it on your phone in your bank account. Similarly, there is an account in which you have all your shares dematerialized. It's not in a physical form. So we have Zerodha, Angel, etc. Different platforms and all in order to buy stocks on your phone. But be very, very careful, I'll come to that part. And for mutual funds also, you don't have to go anywhere. You can have, Zeroda has got its own app, Coin. So you can buy mutual funds through that. Even Paytm etc. is there, where you can buy mutual funds. We've already discussed mutual funds, right? And we've already discussed ETF. You also have an ETF, I wanted to highlight this. For example, Gold ETF. Now, suppose I want to invest in Gold. Now, when you buy jewelry and invest in the form of jewelry, the problem is that there is a lot of making charge. And also the price at which you buy gold and the price at which you sell gold is very different. So you might buy gold at let's say 47,000. But if you go and sell it, it will be only 44,000 let's say. Because jewelers will make money, right, you're not a buyer or seller of gold, but at the same time you have to understand that there's a lot of emotion attached to your personal finance planning. I will strongly recommend the book Psychology of Money to you, but only during college. Uh, right now, if you want, you can read the book Richest Man in Babylon. It's a wonderful book and you'll enjoy reading. It's a very easy, thin book to read. At your uh, age right now, you can read that. Anyway, so when I'm looking at Gold ETF, Also, you know, I'm scared that if I keep gold in my house, what if there is a theft? So what we do is there is something called gold ETF. So you can buy gold. It is going to be in your DMAT account like a stock. It's a gold ETF. So it will be like a stock in your DMAT account. It will work that way. You don't have to keep it at home. There is no making charges, nothing. And you can get exposure to gold. So if gold prices increase, you have access to gold. You can buy those top 50 companies of India. And mutual fund, if you remember, was paying 1%, let's say, as expenses, ETF, there is no expense. You're buying those group of 50 stocks together. Say suppose you feel that banks are going to do very well, but I'm not sure about which bank, but I think banks will do very well. I can buy a bank Nifty. It's like a group of stocks trading together. That's it. ETF is like a group of stocks trading together. But anyways, we'll come to it uh, more as we learn. There is also something called portfolio management services, PMS. You do not need to know much into it right now. So basically for very wealthy investors who do not want to invest in a mutual fund, they want to have a personal portfolio manager. So in mutual fund, I am investing 500, you're investing 1000, he is investing 2000. They will not listen to us. So there is a large cap mutual fund. So they will invest in big companies. There is a small cap mutual fund. They will invest in small companies. There is a growth mutual fund. They will invest in those companies which grow. There is a value mutual fund. They will invest in cheap companies, as in not cheap companies that way, as in relatively low price. They will try to find companies which are trading at a lower price today. There is a pharma mutual fund, let's say. So they will invest in only pharmaceutical companies, the ones selling drugs, medicines, hospitals, healthcare, etc. those, right? so you can have different exposures but say suppose i want to have a personal portfolio manager whom i can talk to and uh, i can tell him that i am a very uh, animal loving person in my portfolio you're not allowed to invest in any leather company so in that case so obviously to have a personal portfolio manager the portfolio manager is managing multiple people's funds but to have access you need to invest a good amount of money So if you have a 50 lakh rupees plus of investment, you can go for a portfolio management services where there is a fund manager who's managing, let's say, 100 clients, 200 clients, and he is accessible. So that's your own portfolio that you're getting managed. We also have apps like Smallcase and all today, which allow people. So say, for example, you want to be a fund manager or say suppose you want to provide stock advice and all, you can have your portfolio listed on small case. I think we will skip this for now. Now this is very important and I want you to understand this part very clearly. So when we are looking at stocks, we can look at either long-term investments or we can look at short-term trading. So when I want to buy a stock and keep it, For example, I've been holding, let's say, a Tata Motors for the last five years or Maruti Suzuki for a good five, seven years. So when I'm buying and holding stocks, I'm investing. And if I want to buy a stock today, sell tomorrow, buy today morning, sell uh, today afternoon, etc. If I'm trading, if I'm continuously doing buying, selling, buying, selling, that is trading. When you're looking at a short term aspect, when you're looking at a long term aspect, it's investments, right? So when we look at investments, we do fundamental analysis. When we're looking at short-term trading aspect, we're looking at more of technical analysis. Let me explain a bit over here. Now what happens is, so when you're looking at trades and all, it's based on charts, prices, patterns and everything. And you understand that the share price is going to be based on demand supply. So if It will depend on people buying, selling shares and all. If everybody is buying, they will increase the prices. If everybody starts selling, the prices come down. So that is going to be based on your demand supply and all. So you understand, you know, you must have heard about it. Uh, Market sentiment kaisa hai. Sentiment. Where is the word sentiment coming in finance? Because it's based on how people react. There is a lot of emotion attached when people are dealing with the markets. So... I always say that, you know, either you are a full-time trader, professional trader, or you are a gambler. There is no part-time trader in between. This particular slide, this particular portion is very important for you students to understand. See, understand a trader, a professional trader is sitting in front of the screen since nine o'clock in the morning. He's already gone through the news for the day. He's continuously watching and understanding and learning different charts, patterns, a lot of tricks, a lot of algorithms, mathematics, statistics, etc. involved. And you're doing that till the end of the day. You're following commodity market, US market, foreign exchange market, etc. in order to trade and in order to make money in the market. Now, if somebody thinks that they will do some random 5-hour, uh, 10-hour thing online and then they will become stock market ninjas and Rithik Roshan from a Zindagi Na Milegi or a Wolf of Wall Street, that does not happen. You cannot not follow the markets. You cannot be a part-time trader. And that is why I'm going back to my original equation of price into quantity. I'm going to focus on my profession. So if your profession is to be a professional trader, 100% go for it. But do not get into the gambling mindset. You cannot be a part-time trader. You cannot beat those traders who are working so hard, learning all the tools, techniques and indicators and sitting you know, in front of the screen for that time. Now let me come to the long-term investment part over here. So how do you analyze a company? So I've given an example over here. So for example, how do we analyze when we're looking at investments? So suppose the government launches something, the ayushman Bharat scheme. So I'm going to evaluate how is it going to be impacting Apollo hospitals or a Fortis Hospital's share price. So economy has a very important role. For example, the scrappage policy that the government comes up with on old cars and all. So how does the automobile industry react? I need to understand the importance and the economy's analysis. Then there is the industry analysis. So say for example, how is electric vehicles going to change the entire automobile industry? How is that going to be impacting a share, like say an Excite or an Amar Raja battery? So how are these companies going to get impacted? How is this industry going to get impacted? For example, when I'm looking at Patanjali, when Patanjali was launched, how does it impact HUL? Because it is competing and you have to understand there is a huge population that stays in the rural areas. And Patanjali has got a free advertising reach to the masses. So yes, of course, there was a lot of, I mean, uh, how do you impact, uh, how do you assess the impact on an HUL in that case? So we do evaluate these things, fundamental analysis. You study the economy, the industry, the company, and then you assess how to go about it. So normally when a fund manager, a mutual fund, PMS, whatever, when a fund manager is investing in a stock, he is going to go through at least I would say 7 to 8 years of annual reports, 6 to 8 years of annual reports, 6 to 8 years of annual reports of the company, which has a profit and loss, balance sheet, statement, etc. It will go through 4 years of con-call. So what happens is, because they are listed companies, the companies answer shareholder questions. So I have some shares of ITC, I am a shareholder of ITC, so I can ask the management some questions, let's say. Not directly, but through the analysts, so they ask questions to the management. So when I'm looking at that, that is the amount of hard work and homework that is done before investing in a stock. So you know, doing those, how to spot a multi-bagger, multi-bagger is those stocks which become 2x, 5x in a short time. So there are people who post stupid videos like how to post spot a multi-bagger in 15 minutes or in half an hour. It does not work that way. That is the amount of homework that is needed for doing fundamental analysis and evaluating stocks. So either you're a full-time investor or you're a long-term investor who has a very good understanding of finance where you go through annual reports etc maybe you are uh, let's say working in an automobile company and you understand the industry so well you go through the annual reports of automobiles uh, companies like or let's say you're working in a tire company and you will check what is mrf doing and what is bal Krishna tire doing or what is uh CA tires company doing and you have an understanding and then you invest and if you do not have that understanding you invest through mutual funds Let the professional managers do their job. It's your hard-earned money that is at stake, right? So we do fundamental analysis this way. Technical we've discussed, prices, charts, patterns for trading, right? So you're a gambler or an investor. I don't know if you recall this episode from Friends where Rachel lost in a poker game, I believe. And Monica, you know, she did not have a job that time and she was continuously uh, buying stocks and ultimately lost a lot of money. And then she had to take a very ridiculous kind of a job. All right, so this was equity. Equity, of course, higher risk, higher return. You're taking risk, right? There is no fixed income that you will get by investing in equity. But when you're looking at fixed income, fixed income is basically your savings account, your FDs, fixed deposits, etc. So when you're investing in a short term like savings account, so you can take your money out anytime. So you'll barely get 2, 3, 4% depending on different bank accounts and all up to even 5-6%, I think Indesynth Bank was giving 6% or so, or liquid funds. So basically this is, you're not locking your money for two years, FD, five year FD, etc. You're putting your money where you can withdraw very quickly, very easily. You will get a lower rate of interest. Long term is basically a provident fund. So provident fund you invest because you get a lot of tax advantages which you will study when you, if not study, at least you will have to work because you'll have your salary, your income, your business income, and then you have to pay taxes and plan your taxes. So provident fund, a lot of advantages, you don't have to pay income tax on provident fund interest. So people invest in that to reduce their taxes. So tax planning is very important. When you start earning, please remember, you have to plan your taxes. Provident funds are there, fixed deposits. So even if I'm doing a five year fixed deposit or a two year fixed deposit, let's say, I can withdraw the money early, but then I will get less interest if I withdraw the money early. And there are bonds also. So you have government bonds, corporate bonds, government bonds, obviously, uh, is going to be less risky. Basically, you're putting money, you're giving loan to the government. When it is government bond, you're giving loan to the government. When it is corporate bond, you're giving loan to the company. Company can default, government cannot. Ideally, the government can always print notes and give it to you, right? So normally we assume government is not defaulting, but the corporate bonds can default, right? So this you plan, so this is your fixed income part, where you want to have a consistent, regular, stable income. Less risk, because you know exactly how much of return you will get. It's not that if the bank is making more profit, they'll give you more money, or if the bank is making less profit, they'll give you less money. It's not like that. Got it? So this is your fixed income. Normally what I have seen with so many corporate trainings and all, that I have seen people putting their money all in FD and savings. But you know, we've studied inflation. We've understood that our consumption pattern is increasing. You have to have a balanced portfolio, which we'll study next portfolio. You have to have a balance, a mix of equity and fixed income both. And if you start early, we've discussed power of compounding. So if you start early, you can invest in equity, right? Next is your alternate forms of investment. We've already discussed commodities in the form of gold is the most favorite of Indians and even real estate, the house you live in, private equity is when you're investing in startups and all. And that is again available only to people who have a very huge amount of investment that they can make. Normally, it is equity and fixed income we go for and commodity real estate. That is normally what you will see predominantly what Indians and India as a developing nation that we invest in. The proportion of equity needs to go up, the investment into equity and fixed income has to go up because normally what we see is, I think around 80% of our money is blocked in our house, which is a good thing, but then we need to diversify, we need to, and then there is a chunk of gold as well. Hedge funds, we'll discuss some other time. So commodities is in the form of gold normally, oil and metals you cannot save and store at home. So there are people who invest through different derivative products. We cannot get into that detail right now. But normally commodity, we are looking at gold and silver also. Very small chunk. Because silver is cheaper and you don't have that much quantity of silver also. Right? Real estate, your own house. You can have a farmhouse or something. Private equities when you are investing in startups and all. We will not discuss the other two. Startups. So say for example, if you want to buy a share of Swiggy or a Zomato. You can buy Zomato share because it is listed. It is not private equity, it's public. You have the share price. You can just Google up Zomato share price and you'll find it. But Swiggy is not listed. It's a private equity and we cannot just randomly invest. There are venture funds, venture capital funds, private equity funds who invest in this and very large size of investments are needed to invest in these private equity funds and all. Hedge fund, if you want to understand, it's like Amir Loka mutual fund. So mutual fund have a lot of restrictions. So if you see a mutual fund advertisement on the television, you will find they will give you a disclaimer at the end, uh, invest only at your risk, etc. Right. But so mutual fund because you know, common public people like us who are investing 500,000 rupees, the government has to make sure that mutual funds are not doing any hanky-panky. We've had scams like Sarda scam and all, so the government has to make sure that the common public does not lose money. We've got Yes Bank, we've got DHFL, we've got so much of these things happening. So, hedge fund, so mutual funds have a lot of rules, restrictions, etc. Hedge funds do not have so much rules. So it's like, as I told you, rich loka mutual fund. So only people with a certain level of income, etc. are allowed to invest in hedge funds. And hedge funds can take a lot of risk. Because rich people can understand that kind of risk and all. And you need to have a first, your priority should be fixed income equity. Real estate, gold is also there. Then you look at startups and private equity and hedge funds. Once you have that level of understanding of investments. So we will get there once you have understood investments very well. And it's important to understand how we look at a portfolio in totality. We need to diversify. Let's understand this. So first of all understand, you must have heard about the term diversification. You must have heard about never put all your eggs in one basket. Why? Because say suppose if I put all my money in one stock, one share, and if that company loses money, if that company goes down, then I'm at a huge loss, my entire savings goes. But if I've invested in 10 different companies, two might not perform well, four might perform average, four might perform, two might perform really well. 4 might perform really well. So in totality as a portfolio, portfolio is all the assets that you're putting together that you're owning. So in totality, my assets, my investments, they're going to give me a good return. There is something called a covariance or correlation. You study in statistics in 11-12. So basically what happens is, if say for example, both my stocks increase at the same time. So both the stocks increase or both the stocks decrease, that is they will be moving in this way. But what if my, if one stock increases, the other one decreases. And if this stock goes down, this one goes up. What if they move in the opposite direction, then they balance out each other. That is why we say, do not put all your eggs in one basket. We do not want all the companies, either they are doing good. All the companies are all doing bad. We don't want such a situation. We want to have multiple investments, real estate, gold, different companies, FD. So cumulatively. Totally, in totality, they are giving me a good recent return and see, understand, when you're looking at the business cycle, if you study the economy, if you see that markets are keep, markets will keep on economy, will keep on going up and down, right? But on a long term basis, the markets will always do well. In the long term, markets, the economy, India will always grow. You can have a 2020 COVID kind of a year, you can have some problems, some situations, but If you're looking at a 10-year, 20-year kind of a time frame, we are pretty okay, we are pretty good, we are growing. That's why in the long term, you can invest in equity. You have to plan your investments, equity, FDs, real estate, commodity, etc. And you have to combine, you have to diversify across stocks. You can't just put all your money in one company. And you have to have a basket of securities that way. And obviously, the more the risk you take, the more the return. So you have to plan how much risk you can take. Maybe at a 20-year-old individual or a 25-year-old individual can take more risk. A 60-year-old individual can take less risk. Because if I'm at 25, I'm still going to be earning throughout my life. I'm still going to be savings. Nuksan ho manage ho jayega. But at 60, I don't have a working life ahead. If my savings are lost, in that case, how will I manage my retirement? So it becomes a problem, right? So next part, last part, we'll just quickly do this. Alright, so the last part is beware, 25 days mein paisa double. Anybody selling you such ridiculous schemes never believe. There are a lot of scams and all, you know, subscribe to the stock tip service and double your money. Please don't fall for those scams. Don't get carried away by the get rich quick schemes. It does not work. You have to work hard, you have to learn, you have to understand, you have to save, you have to invest, and only then it works. Right? People sharing OTPs and all you get those. Even I have got such certain calls that I'm from your telephone company as in Vodafone, Airtel, whatever. And if you want your, uh, your services will be discontinued. Otherwise, please give us some information. And I, that was from a regular number, like a phone number. I mailed uh, the telecom guys and uh, they told me it's not from us. Please don't reveal. So be very, very careful about the number of financial frauds and all that we have. Uh, you know, there have been these uh, influencers, if you call them, they have promoted Wald. Wald was a crypto exchange and it went bankrupt and all the kids lost money so please don't get into all of that so be very clear in terms of whose advice you're following what you're looking at who's making you work harder who's making you you know like for example i would look at warren buffett sir charlie munger is there morgan housel is there so learn from good ethical expert sources and all and just do not fall for such kind of advices I hope the project Samriddhi is an absolute success and you people learn and it helps you in your personal finance and your future. Thank you so much.